Nigel glanced at the sheet of paper on the arm of his chair. It was his practice during an investigation to jot down anything done or said by those concerned which had struck him as out of character, self-betraying, contradictory, cryptic, or in some other way significant. Not because, with his phenomenal memory, he would forget them, but because, committed to paper, these random and heterogeneous items sometimes formed chemical associations, as it were, and created the beginnings of a pattern. Piers Laudron My dear boy, at my age, and when one's tenure of life is unlikely to be long protracted, one feels the need, not exactly for confession, but for the drawing up of a balance sheet. My diary is giving me quite a new interest in life. It may even prolong it. James Loudon, a very heavy eater, insecurity or energy. If I'd wanted to destroy evidence, I could have done it any time in the last ten days. Harold Loudon, in reply to Walter's suggestion that Piers might have gone along after dinner to see Harold and Sharon, she wasn't. What the hell do you mean to see us? Wasn't at home. Rebecca Loudron. Her account of going with Graham to look for their father. Why does this stick in my mind? Also, we were playing the clarinet quintet and some piano concertos the night when... Graham Loudron. According to Rebecca, described the atmosphere at dinner the night his father disappeared as... Papa was waiting for something to happen. And what was he doing across the river so early on Saturday morning? Walter Barn, not just the clown. One look enough for me. Nigel read through the notes, then, after a pause, took out his pen and wrote beneath them. Seven plus thirteen equals twenty. 1960 minus 20 equals 1940. C.F. M's statement that, during the 1940 blitzes, P.L. acted like he didn't care whether he lived or died. A car stopped outside. Going to the window, Nigel saw it was a police car and observed his old friend, Chief Inspector Wright of the Yard C Division, get out. Wright looked more than ever like a film director lantern-jawed face, horn-rimmed spectacles, alert, darting eyes. Nigel brought him into the studio, where Claire kissed him warmly. In her presence, Wright loved to give an exaggerated performance of the bumbling middle brow, the man who knows what he likes. He bent a cautious look upon the female nude. Well, you've got something there, he opined. Massive and concrete. You should hear what my char says about it. Don't tell me, I know. Wright went outside, re-entered the studio with a heavy, bunioned gait, apprehensively circled the female nude. Grosome, ain't it? Gives you the creeps. Do I have to dust that? Claire's laughter pealed out. I'll get some drinks. So, they've sent for the murder squad, said Nigel. Your DDI's a first-rate man, but he's got too much on his plate just now. A wave of theft at the docks, and there's a mob of Ted's terrorising the respectable residents of Shooter's Hill. But can Henderson get any witnesses to come forward?
You were at home, sir, yesterday evening, when a gang of youths broke every window in the multiple stores opposite your house. Yes, but I didn't see or hear nothing, didn't pay no attention. Here lies the dear old British public, and the epitaph on its tombstone is, I don't want to have nothing to do with that. And then they've had a buzz that there's a drug-distributing racket shifted its base to just across the river. Our narcotics boys are working on that with Henderson. Thank you, Miss Messenger. Just a touch of cyanide and plenty of soda. The sound of the St. Alphage bells ringing for Sunday evensong could be distinctly heard. To heaven or hell, said Wright. I've just had a long talk with Henderson, and he's given me acres of...